0: This is a Watchdog Morning Show Rewind. Here's Howard Monroe.
1: Stephen Adams has not been with us for a while. None of our statewide reporters have been with us for a while. I don't know what the heck's going on down in Charleston. I figured it was about time to check into it. Here's what I do know. Stephen bought a new car, though. How's that new car coming?
0: Oh, man, <laughs> it's very nice. It's very nice to upgrade to something that, you know, where the transmission's not going to go out on, in the middle of I-79, which still happened to me and my old trustworthy four-wheel drive Mercury to, up until recently. It was a fairly dependable vehicle, but it had showed its age, and it was time to upgrade to something that could get me around the state so I could cover more things. So I got a 2017 Nissan Versa with only 23,000 miles on it.
1: so a hey, pretty good deal there, huh?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. So i been looking forward to zipping around in that. Uh, but, boy, Howard, uh, you talked about you didn't really talk to anybody last week. There, there wasn't anything going on last week. Last That's week the
1: very dead down here. Nothing, Nothing's happening. But the, my question is, what is happening with this special session? Because it, it the, the governor called it for income tax cut then uh, added the abortion issue. Uh, a couple of days of debate on that. I think the income tax thing was just basically tossed aside and it's, it's ended. Uh, big debate on abortion. Then everything kind of went on hold, didn't end the session, just went on hold. What are we waiting for?
0: Well, good question. Uh, I've heard from a couple different sources on this. I know that there's obviously some obviously negotiations behind the scenes on what a potential abortion bill could look like to try to deal with the differences between the House and the Senate. Of course, they weren't able to appoint their conference committee due to uh, some snafus on that final Friday, uh, before they gaveled out, subject to the calls of House Speaker Roger Hanshaw and Senate President Craig Blair, but you and I both know those negotiations typically go on behind the scenes anyway, uh, outside of public view, and that's happening. So that's going on. There may be a very glimmer, and I don't know how to say it's, I don't know if there's a phrase that really kind of show, uh, denotes. Less than a glimmer, but there is some hope, I guess we'll say, on a tax reform plan. But uh, if you read my article last week uh, on this, it's very much a very, very small chance. I think at this point, I think you might see some movement towards a special session around the first uh, or uh, or at least mid-September when the legislative interim meetings start back up. They took an August break. So if they can do it then, they'll at, least, they'll at least be two to three days there where it won't cost an additional uh, $35,000 a day like it did on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, the week of, uh, that the special session first started. Uh, but there's still some wide disagreement, again, on the abortion bill and what exceptions and what penalties criminal or non-criminal should be in it. And the same goes for tax reform where the one side wants to compromise as long as they get whatever exactly what they want out of it. And the same goes for the other side. They both say they want to compromise, but only if you give them the totality of their plan. So we're up in the air.
1: Technically, the Senate voted down the income tax plan, which, which technically ended it. Is that not right, or am I wrong about that?
0: No, you, that would be incorrect. What they did do is they didn't take and This is where you kind of get into the weeds of parliamentary procedure. <laughs> uh, when, for example, when the House passes a bill, in this case, House Bill 301, which was tax uh, 10% personal income tax bill, that message goes to the Senate. And the Senate can take up that message, refer it to committee, or move to have it go ahead and read the first time and get the process going or they can not take up the message at all. In this case, they didn't even take up the message that the House passed House Bill 301. But that also means that it's somewhere in kind of a legislative bill purgatory or limbo, where they they could take it back up uh, if they wanted to. So they didn't outright reject, reject it as much as they ignored it. Uh, and of course, <laughs> what they ended up doing, yeah. Uh, and what they ended up doing, of course, was passing a resolution, a non-binding resolution, that basically lays out their plans for what they want to do, which is get amendment, believe it's amendment two passed. I can't keep track of these numbers anymore. Um, that is the tangible personal property tax bill that would take off yeah, by six two. categories. Right. Yeah. Uh, give them the yeah, give them authority to, to remove those categories. Come back, remove those categories, and do a bunch of other things that they also want to do. So. Uh, so they can actually still kind of work on it, but the problem also goes, you know, the way special sessions work when they're called by the governor is they're very narrow. The legislature can only consider what the governor puts right. on the call. Now, in the case of the abortion bill, mm-hmm. he, wrote that, he wrote that so vague that it allowed the House to develop a bill to kind of meet the, you know, what the governor was looking for. In the case of the tax cut bill, the governor wrote that very, very specifically, so unless – they amend the call, to, uh, the loosen that. There's no way they can consider really anything that the Senate wants to do. So, again, we're we're all in limbo as a result.
1: My my sense is, and I'm way on the outside looking in. You're closer to the inside. My sense is, as I think you've indicated here, because re- the supermajority Republicans in general have a desire to want to do something with taxes. And they're arguing over the specifics, the personal property tax, the amendment to income tax, and so on. But I, I get a sense that there somehow may be a compromise possible there. On the abortion issue, it seems as if there are two strong, as there is in, in society, there are two really strong sides on that abortion issue within the Republican Party even. And I'm not sure either one is particularly willing to budge over things like making it a criminal act and... Uh, you know, providing for exceptions for rape and incest and so on. I, I'm not sure I see a path through to a compromise on that one. But, again, I'm on the way on the outside looking in, but that's that's sort of the way I see it.
0: Yeah, like on the tax bill, and I told this to the House Minority Leader, Doug Scaff, the other day, it's very much a situation of the dog catching the tire. Uh, this is something that the Republicans have always wanted to do. And they have the opportunity to do it. They've got the supermajorities. The Democrats, the uh, caucuses really can't stop them from doing any of this. They can delay it. There are things that they can do to kind of delay and 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 make that happen. But they can't really stop anything. Uh, again, you got one side that has always wanted to either phase out or get rid of the personal income tax. So there are examples of state's doing that and having great economic results as, as a result of that. Of course, there's also bad examples, Kansas being one of them. Uh, and then on the other hand, we've been talking about eliminating uh, the business inventory tax and certain tangible personal property taxes for 30 years under both Republican and Democratic governors. Uh, this is something that's been recommended for a very long time, and now they finally have the opportunity They do it as long as voters approve that amendment in November, and you know it's a really interesting situation. Now they can do all these things, and now there's no real real agreement on which way and how much to do one or the other. And in the case of the abortion bill, yeah, it's such a complicated uh, topic, especially now after you know going back to Kansas for a moment. You know, they have their constitutional. Their ballot initiatives uh, that I think people thought that was going to go towards the the pro life, anti abortion side of things, and it went the other direction. And I have to imagine that people, uh, lawmakers in other states, including West Virginia, had to be seeing that. Uh, And keep in mind, in twenty eighteen, the constitutional amendment that put language in our state constitution said that doesn't uh, support uh, abortion. That passed by just three points. So I don't right. think the issue is as clear because they want it to believe, and I, I think they have to take that under advisement as they practice.
1: You know, on the issue of the taxes, um, what bothers me just sort of philosophically is it's sort of a hit-or-miss approach. Let's do the income tax or let's do the, uh, the personal property tax or the business tax or let's do a combination I go back a number of years to when Robin Kingpart was in Underwood's administration and came up with actually a comprehensive plan to a- adjust our tax system. It se- Because the problem is, as is, is you certainly well know, is that you adjust one tax, it creates a problem somewhere else. I mean, you got to kind of do all this stuff together. You can't just, I think, you can't just do it hit or miss. And that's where I see the problem is here. Well, I want this, you want that. Well, we'll make a Frankenstein's monster with a little bit of yours, a little bit of mine. And I'm not sure that's the way you handle, you know, reforming your tax system.
0: Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I'm actually doing lunch for Rob today uh, here, uh, here around in. But uh, you're right about that, I think. In a well, big tell, him I said, show, tell him I
1: said hi. He never gets back to me anymore, so I guess you're more important oh, i
0: these days. I, 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 I will definitely scold him, but uh, – Think back to the Tomlin years, the latter Mansion years when he was governor, and kind of most of the Tomlin years, when we phased out certain taxes during the during that period. Uh, it didn't quite have the effect that, that anyone thought it would have. And if you remember, during the Tomlin years, we had real tight budgets. You know, we had mid year budget cuts for agencies, uh, talk of taxes increases things of that nature and i think it goes back to that i think if you don't do everything in a comprehensive way because it's all interconnected then you wind up with the problems that you saw about in the middle of the last decade that, that ultimately the governor justice had to deal with when he was facing a 500 million dollar you know budget hole his very first uh first year so i think you're right about that and that that. The issue that lawmakers have to figure out is how to do this in a way that doesn't harm down the road. And that's the concern, particularly if you're talking about completely eliminating all those tangible personal property tax rates and replacing county revenue derived from that strictly out of the general revenue budget. If if your budget years are great, fine, you can do that. If things go south, well, are you going to cut – where are you going to cut? Are you going to cut money to the counties? What, what are you going to do? So uh, a lot of questions.
1: The, um, the supermajority is beginning to splinter a little bit, and it's not unusual. You and I, I think, have talked about this in the past. You get so large that now within your own caucus you're going to start having – Divisions. The Democrats had the same problem. And they were in complete control. You know, the Democrats were in control, but there were a variety of different factions within the party that would fight with each other. And we're seeing that now. We're seeing that over the income tax thing. We're seeing that over the uh, uh, over the uh, abortion issue. Uh, and it looks like there may be a fight over the next speakership in the House as well. Uh, a little internal friction going on there.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, House Government Organization Committee Chairman Brandon Steele, he's a Republican out of Raleigh County, has turned his hat in the ring uh, vocally, very vocally, to challenge House Speaker Roger Hansall, he's a Republican out of Clay County, for the Speaker gavel. Now, Hansall's had that since about 2018, ever since uh, former House Speaker Tim Armstead got appointed to the Supreme Court. Uh, and then since then, he's been elected uh, for two, twice for two, two year terms in the speaker role. And it's widely respected. He's a very serious individual. Uh, he certainly takes keeping the floor session running, moving bills, and all that uh, rolling pretty well. So he's respected on both sides of the caucus, both Republicans and Democrats. Brandon Steele has been, uh, of course, I have this in my column today. He's been, He's a vocal member of the Republican caucus. Uh, very outspoken. In fact, uh, in some cases, he has uh, gone after other members of the caucus in uh, floor speeches. He's kind of known for having a temper. Uh, he's known for trying to kind of push big bills at the last minute that people aren't expecting. For example, a couple years ago, he did on his own a complete rewrite of the state's criminal uh, criminal codes, it's much to everybody's surprise. And the Senate basically kind of put that on the back burner because it was 700 pages and nobody had time to read it last year. Uh, He was going to take away the enforcement uh, mechanisms from uh, our uh, Office of Mine uh, Health and Safety here in West Virginia. Uh, That didn't go anywhere. So uh, he's an attorney. He he has his own uh, news website down in the Beckley area. He's a very interesting individual, and I feel like he probably has support probably from the more – Right side of of that caucus. So the question is, does he have a or No. Some don't think he does. Uh, the Democrats, again, you know, talking with staff last week, they want to support Henshall uh, uh, basically because they can work with him. They, they they like him, and they don't see a circumstance because at the end of the day, all this comes up for a vote on the House for this coming January. Democrats don't really want to support that, so Steele's going to have to go outside the caucus and probably try to get support from Republican candidates that they're hoping to win in November.
1: Hanshaw is, uh, for lack of a better word, and maybe this is not the best phrase, but he's a reasonable Republican. Um, I I think he he has a great sense, this is my sense, again, outside looking in, uh, he has a great sense of respect for the House. For the decorum of the House, I mean, he's gotten upset over the way some members, even his own party, have acted uh, during some of the sessions. Um, he's a very good parliamentarian. I actually <laughs> I actually took a session with him up here in Wheeling when he came in town to teach us how to use Robert's Rules of Order. Uh, and and he was really, I mean, gave me a lot of great knowledge on that. But, I mean, he's, he's very well, I think, respected uh, to the extent that you can be anymore from both sides of the aisle. Steele is a bit more of a uh, – what's the word I want to use here? I know conservative, but he's a little bit more of a firebrand. I mean, he's a little bit more I, – I don't want to go so far as to say bomb thrower, but he's um, he's a little bit more towards the, the far-right talking points than than, uh, than Hanshaw is. At least that's the sense I get from seeing both of them.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think a good example, uh, too, this is if turn goes back and looks at the video uh, of the debate – on um, amendments and the abortion bill on the House side, uh, Steele was very much on against including any exceptions. Very much include, against including any right. exceptions whatsoever, and he was very vocal about that. And uh, uh, to the point that uh, it was a little uncomfortable for for someone there because you know, I, I, I without expressing too much of an opinion here, I always kind of have a problem when people try to say what a blessing is for somebody else and maybe someone that's been raped or in a situation of incest even if you know if they get pregnant probably don't necessarily see their situation as a blessing i don't want to speak for them either but he shouldn't speak for them either In that way, and, yeah, so, you know, uh, he was very much against that, and that speech was very, very blunt and fiery, and I'd say that's a good example politically where he is very socially conservative uh, on that regard. uh, I'd say very much on on the Trump side of things, which is to be expected anymore. Um, But, yeah, uh, that's the fight within that caucus is between some of the more, what you and I would consider to be normal, standard-issue, Reagan-conservatives, uh, mm-hmm. Small government versus, I think, uh, a group that would like to use the power of big government to push conservative values. And I think there's a big difference there.
1: I want to ch- check in with one other issue very quickly, run short on time. But uh, you were at the uh, roundtable that Senator Manchin held on, I think it was Friday, uh, on the Inflation Reduction Act and, and its, uh, its, its aftermath, its effects, its value, and so on. Uh, tell me about that.
0: Yeah, uh, you had Senator Mansion there along with a bunch of interest groups, AARP, uh, United Mine Workers, uh, various large and small natural gas producers and people that are involved with economic development, uh, basically trying to tout uh, all the benefits of the Inflation Reduction Act, try to take the air out of some of the uh, messaging out there that Republicans are already doing to talk about or talk against it. Uh, and say what, how well it could be for West Virginia. I kind of called it the, explain, you know, the, the explainer tour because uh, Manchin's <laughs> going to have to spend the next, really, two and a half years explaining it uh, to people, uh, especially since there's a lot of uh, West Virginians that are very vocal against it. They view it as a big go-back better 2.0 or 3.0 or 4.0, and they see it as uh, thing that's going to continue to increase inflation or or push us into recession or all those sorts of things Uh, so they were very much trying to get out in front on all that stuff and get the messaging out there that uh, this is going to be beneficial it's going to cut costs particularly for health care if they can get some of these energy uh, things rolling it's going to help west virginia especially if you tie it to the permitting reform bill that they're looking at bringing up here in september
1: He got the uh, gas pipeline uh, as part of uh, an approval for that, as sort of part of the negotiating on that, which was good for, well, many people believe it to be good for West Virginia. Um, So, a lot of positive things out of it. Uh, The senator says there are no new taxes for the average West Virginian. Um, I noticed that at least one article I read by someone claiming that, well, there are new taxes, uh, are, are making that claim because. Uh, In this, there's funding for additional IRS agents, and the argument is if we have more IRS agents, they will get more people who are committing fraud, and therefore those people will now have to pay more taxes. I would hardly call that a tax increase if you just haven't been paying your taxes. Um, I wouldn't call it a tax
0: increase. Not only would I not call it a tax increase in that regard, but uh, if you've read up on this issue, a lot of the reason you need more employees, they're not all agents, but they're all... you know, you need those employees, you've got a backlog in the yeah. IRS right now. And they, they need to clear that before they can even start any new cases for the most part. So uh, this is really just to try to make the IRS do the job it's supposed to be doing, not necessarily stick the IRS on people that wouldn't normally have the IRS come after them.
1: Exactly. it's exactly right. All right, Stephen, don't have any more time. i got to run. We'll talk again soon. Uh, you helped me to understand what's going on down there. Short answer, not a lot, but <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll see if, uh, if the session ever resumes or does it just, I don't know, does it just fade away someday? I don't know. But you will keep us informed in the intelligence or the news register, and uh, we'll check in with you from time to time here as well. Thanks for joining me today. Appreciate it. Listen to more interviews and
0: rants from the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on Apple Podcasts.